Be good, Rochelle. Be good, Blake. I, don't I am being great. Young man, I'm amazing. <laughs> amazing at picking at on me. How have I ever picked on you? Oh. Name name ten times. Wait. You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person wait sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But but we're talking about yeah. But, but I don't buy it. But I I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake and I'm Rochelle and I'm autistic and I'm not. And welcome back. I guess we just said that. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes whenever they're released. Also, don't forget to join the Facebook group. Join the group. Join the conversation. We also would like to welcome all of our listeners from all over the world and all the new people joining our Facebook group. Um, we have 114 members at this point. We've also, I think it's worth talking about that every month more people are listening. So we're going to be adding a few parameters to joining the Facebook group, just asking questions. One thing that we've been asking all of our listeners and no one's answered is how you found us. <laughs> and so uh, that will be one of the questions on the Facebook uh, group. But um, we're still welcoming everybody. So just it, there will be nothing to block you. Just um, you just have to answer those questions. Wasn't there another question, Rochelle, that you were thinking of posing? Mm, yes. I don't remember it, though. Oh, okay. I don't remember it. It was how did you find us and... Maybe if it was like, oh, it was something like, are you, what's your, what's your affiliation with the group or like, how does this apply most to you? Like, do you experience oh, right. neurodiversity yourself or are you listening on behalf of a, someone else, of a spouse, a child, a parent, um, a friend, um, an employee, a coworker, you know, all of those things apply, but it just helps us shape the content so that we continue to make sure, it, you know, it's an inclusive approach. Yes. That's it. That's it. Um, also, Rochelle has a website. Why don't you tell us about that? RochelleChandler.com. Still under construction. Still. Oh, why do I keep bringing it up then? I don't know. It's on your list. Don't go to her. Okay. Well, you can. There's great. There's good content there, but it's it's. All right. Go to the website then. Under <laughs> construction and one-on-one -on -one sessions are still available. Um, I, I left that piece up because it's popular, but content-wise, I'm changing it. Um, so I uh, was forced to read today an article from Spark. The have we ever talked about Spark? Oh, I don't. Maybe not. I don't think we have. Let's talk about that first. So Spark is a research, an autism research company. Actually, they're gaining in popularity. Um, but and I've got a, a couple of friends from high school actually that work with Spark. So uh, they are, as I understand it. Um, another autism research support, I guess, group, but they're at no cost to us working to um, evaluate the genetics like of families with neurodiversity or with, with autism so that they can try and help, you know, us understand where the genetic leaks are or how it's really working through the families because these questions are not answered. We're currently waiting on... Um, let me just silence my phone. The Bucks game is on, you know, unless you want updates. Nope, I'm good. Um, we're currently waiting on our referral to go into Emory for genetic testing for the same reason. But, um, you know, Spark is an independent company. Right. And they are 
working with several of the autism centers nationwide I've looked I've noticed you know one thing that's cool about spark hmm. is that once you get signed up they start to send you surveys yeah and ask you questions depending on you know if you are autistic or like I don't know if you get them I get them for Declan yeah and then if you go through those surveys they give you you know a lot of companies are like oh we'll give you we'll give you money and you have to go through all kinds of like weird things to to finally you know you have to sign up for a bunch of crap to get money they send you legitimate like amazon gift cards like i've gotten yeah like 25 dollars gift cards from them i yeah it helped me pay for christmas actually because they were considerable depending on the survey length they give you different amounts so i had one survey pay 20 dollars, another one paid 50 i mean yeah it's pretty cool um and it was was really cool because at the end of the survey they also give you this um, graph and they show you based on your answers how your answers compare with other families, um, you know, with autism diagnosis. So you can kind of see just where in the ranges, you know, your child is, is fitting in there. And it's, it's interesting because um, I first stumbled across Spark when Declan was first diagnosed. Now, it wasn't his first diagnosis from his pediatrician. It was the more in-depth, you know, multi-visit um evaluation with the developmental pediatrician the one that gave all the details and all the different levels of of his diagnosis and gave the referrals we needed for the different therapies but um I stumbled across it at that point and I started to do a preliminary survey and you know we were still in that phase of doubt where it's like well his pediatrician has says this autistic but we wanted a second opinion because obviously this diagnosis would follow him for life and um and being able to do the spark surveys and see that Declan was was scoring in a very high part of the range of the other answers I was like wow so that's pretty validating that what we're experiencing is most likely going to end up to be confirmed as an autistic diagnosis yeah so spark is basically out there to get answers about autism but one of the things that I've seen and this is trigger warning material that I've seen online uh, are people claiming that they can, that autism can be cured. Oh, this is a big trigger for me too. And so my question would be, is number one, is, is autism something that can be cured? And is it something that people that have autism or sorry, people that are autistic would want cured? Like, would you know still, would you be the same person if you didn't, if you were not autistic. Well, you know what I mean? Right. Cuz that's a question that I see I've been seeing a lot online just the Yeah, no, I'm seeing it a lot that. too, yeah. It's like if you could be born let's say you could start your life over again, uh-huh, and not be autistic, would you choose Would you choose to Interesting. go back and like relive your life? What are the answers? What are you seeing? Oh, mixed. Some people are like I you know, I don't I don't know why so many people want to be autistic. And it's like because it's because of it's who you are as a it's part of who you are as a person. It'd right. be like saying like to me, like it'd be like, oh, what if you could go back and be tall? Hmm. Right. Know? Right. Like, I mean, I mean, we, we yeah, know most uh, short people would wish they could be tall, but I don't think being tall and short is the same thing as being neurodiverse. No, and I'm just I'm just saying as far as something that you maybe would change for some people, it, I think it'd be like that. Right. But then it would be like, would you rather be? Would you, you know, I don't know. I'm just trying to think well, of how something. Do you, how do you feel? I mean, I would want to be, I would want to be 
myself. I mean, I think that if I could go back, I would just want to know and have the people around me support me. Right. I would agree with that. So when I when I see this question and I see mixed reviews also, right? I see people that are like, oh, gosh, yes, take the burden. But then I see other people and they feel it, feel, it feels like they've accepted. It's part of your identity. Right. And actually embraced it. And so when I see things like this, it, tr- it it's triggering for me, but not in like an angry way. But for me, it it is like, well, what about this? So I personally believe just on being a parent and spouse of um, of an autistic individual that what I have noticed and tracked, and I've said it many times in, in this podcast, but if it's the first time that you're tuning into us, I personally believe that autism also includes a biological system that is constantly living in fight or flight. So I don't think it's fair to talk about curing autism when we don't spend enough time talking about the biology of neurodiversity and the biology of living with autism because I don't believe they are the same thing. Now, at the same time, they're part of the same system, so your biology affects your neurology and back and forth. But what I mean by that is we know that when you're living in a state of fight or flight and you're feeling triggered by a predator, our body biologically goes through certain processes, right? Now, I've said it enough. I'm curious if you remember any of them. What, fight or flight? Yeah. What are some of the things that you experience in your body when you are feeling that fight or flight? Flatulence? Yes. <laughs> Fornication? No. Well, okay. For an occasion? For an occasion? Yeah. Okay. What else? Um, fight, flight, Well, those freeze. are the stages of it, but what do you feel in your body when you're feeling like, oh my gosh, there's a threat? Like, Oh, I mean, I don't know. You tense up? Yeah. Does your breathing change? Sure. It becomes more shallow or... You're leading the witness. I am. I'm trying to help. Because <laughs> you just told me that you have a memory retention problem, and I know that. So well, because you just I'm not trying me a piece to, of paper, and you're I'm like, not trying to put study, you on the spot, but study for this thing, and it's not. It's the way. Okay, so for me, when the way that things are written, um, often are not written in a way that is easy for me to digest. And I would agree with that about it's this. Too article. long-winded for me sometimes. And it went in too many different directions. But that's also part of exactly what I'm saying. When you're feeling triggered or you're in a fight or flight response, what I, which I would argue for autism is more of an everyday experience than like only when you're feeling a threat. I think that you kind of live in that state. Um, it means that your body is always in that defensive attack mode on the inside and feeling more inflammatory and that doesn't feel good you don't sleep well your digestion sucks speak for yourself i feel safe (laughs) (laughs) your diet is trickier you know like um there's all these biological parts of this that are you know they're very uncomfortable and so curing autism i don't believe we need to cure it because i believe in a lot of ways autism is the next evolutionary step in the human evolution so what would that even be what would a cure even be no i mean i mean i'm just i'm just wondering like what because when you think of a cure for something don't you just think of like a big like a pill well you you take the pill and you're like "I'm, i'm healed well when i hear the word cure the reason why that's triggering for most is because it implies that something's wrong and i don't think that there's anything wrong with an autistic brain because the way that I watch you process life and the way that I watch Declan think outside the box is beautiful and nothing. I mean, it's not anything I would ever want to change, but I would, I would want your in your body experience to be a lot more comfortable. I would like you to feel like you can fall asleep and stay asleep. I would like you to feel like you have more range with food without everything feeling inflammatory and gassy and 
you know, acid reflux. I would like you to feel like you can mentally transition and pivot and emotionally process the things that come up, you know, with a little bit more ease. I would want that to feel better for you, but I wouldn't want it to change the way that you see life and, and the beautiful creativity that you have just by being you. So I, I think that some, the, whoever came up with the can autism be cured question it, I, I understand it's a pretty basic, uninformed question. And I don't think it's a fair question. It's not even a ask. question. It's a statement by some people saying that they claim that they can. You know, it's it's like it's like those those camps that they I don't know if they still have this kind of stuff. So forgive my ignorance, ignorance. But they they have these camps or classes or whatever to like de-gayify people, you know, to like if someone's like a homosexual. To they like do. Make them, uh, that's what I remember. I remember them oh. being like, "Oh, you send you send like the, your gay kids." Oh to yeah, this yeah. Camp. I remember. Yeah, and then they'll they'll you know they'll pray the gay away. I remember from years like, ago. That's. I don't know. I, you, people just are gay because I think that's my opinion. I mean, I'm pretty sure that you're just born you're just born gay. I in as much as you're born with blonde hair or with autism. I don't. Yeah, I don't think either need to. Can't be pray changed. The, can't I don't. Pray away the tism. I no, and I don't think either need to be changed. I think both need to be embraced. I think both have every right to be em- embraced. But um, one well, and, and not to belabor the point, but and I'm no, I'm interrupting you, but just because a lot of times I'm reading that a significant proportion, portion, significant portion of the what is it? Is it a significant portion of the LGBTQ community is neurodiverse or is it that a significant portion of the neurodiverse community is part of the LGBTQ community? I think it's the second one. Okay. And, and for, well, scared uh, me a little bit cause I thought I might be gay. No, but okay. I'm definitely not. I well, checked. But let's go back because we, I, I <laughs> believe there's anything wrong with being gay. No, nothing. But I do believe that neurodiversity, well, remember on a, on the basic foundation, neurodiversity includes anxiety and depression and anxiety and depression is kind of where I think the baseline of these things start and anxiety and depression can be experienced not just by any individual, but definitely will be experienced by a group of people who have been um, shunned for being themselves. I mean, you, you end up becoming very, how do I say it? Like you're not allowed to be yourself right? You're told that who you are is bad. Um, You're often made fun of. You're not accepted. You're socially rejected. I mean, there's a lot of consistencies in the way that both, you know, an autistic group, and that's just true for autism and ADHD and definitely the combination of the way that these, the the way you're treated as a population is, you know, it's as inappropriate as the way we've treated the LGBTQ community. (laughs) It's a lot of letters. (laughs) Um, because anything that we're not socially accepting, we're rejecting, which is the which is why we are. Um, is that your mom? Your mom? Yeah, that's all right. Um, I didn't. I thought my phone was off. Sorry, folks. So I'm just saying that that both of those things are traumatic, and trauma can cause anxiety and depression. So I think there's there is a big crossover from that aspect alone, but then if there's um, multiple generations of things then you know it's not uncommon for individuals to experience both um i i know that adhd 
and anxiety and depression and um, the LGBTQ community is a, is a very common, what do you call it, like the Venn diagram, like they intersect a lot. And it's really unfortunate. It's a lot to unpack when you're working through all of those things at once. Yeah. I, I mean, I can imagine. Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends um, that have experienced this, that continue to experience this. I know that there's uh, a lot of my sister's friends continue to experience it. Anxiety can be crippling. We spend a lot of time talking about autism and, you know, ADHD, but backing it up. And you experience these also, so you can speak from experience, but anxiety alone can be crippling. Yeah. Debilitating. Well, especially when that's what I thought all of this was was anxiety and a lot of it is anxiety about so like the like the you know the medications that i take help a lot right but i still notice things like loud sounds and stuff like that like can jar right my something i, I don't know what i was gonna say <laughs> well but and a lot of that sensitivity comes from living in fight or flight is because if you're right. in fight or flight your your amygdala and your sensory you know uh, how do you say it? Like your sensory system is on high alert. You're in a high alert loop because you're looking for threats because things have become threatening so often to you that you're now living in that state. And that's a dangerous place to live because when you're living in that fight or flight and everything feels like a threat to you, you're not, if you're not sleeping, then you're not, you're not down regulating. Your brain isn't converting short term information into long term information. It's not creating that database that you need that helps you, you know, refer to information down the road it helps you with planning and organizing helps you develop executive function things like that um, it also stops your body from going into that immune system cycle where you're actually building your immune system and increasing you know the oxygen in your blood and and really letting your body heal from the trauma of the day so when you live in anxiety day after day after day and your body is not going back into those healing cycles, there's long-term ramifications just from a biological standpoint. Not to mention when your mind is always like, what was that? You know, is it going to be some... Well, I mean, but to be fair, you would always get annoyed when uh, that kind of stuff would happen. If, if you make a noise and I'm like, what is that? You're like, don't worry about it. Well... I know that you can see it from your point of view, but I'm not sure if you've spent much time looking at it from my point of view. Why would I? <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. No, of course I have. But from my point of view, still... it's the tiniest little, like having to constantly narrate or explain the most mundane things just because I'm trying to get through my day and I'm also trying to get through things very quickly so I can get on to the next. And then I've got to stop because half the time, I don't know what noise you're even talking about. I didn't hear it. But now I have to come to a dead stop, repeat what I just went through, and try and identify it because you're stuck on it going, what was that sound? Like, And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't hear it. <laughs> but that's part of, wouldn't that be part of fight or flight? The, I like need to know the, well, the sound so you know if it's a threat or not? But when we're in a, when we're in our home and it's a sound from like the kitchen, I mean, I would you could start to make assumptions that it's just a kitchen noise and ride it off. That's Yeah, that. but that's what you and your neurotypical brain would do. Correct. But remember, for years, and all this was happening between us, I had no idea why you were reacting. I know. The way you, only, you only are uh, gracious to those who have been diagnosed. Oh my God. I'm the one that helped you get diagnosed. Still. 
But the point is that it's very frustrating when you constantly have to explain something that you didn't even pay attention to in the first place. So over time, that becomes a trigger for me, you know, in a, in a completely different way. It doesn't mean that the fact that you're triggered is wrong. It just means that it also creates a complication for me. I like how you made it about you. You asked me. <laughs> so I, I regret it. I explained it from my point of view. All right. I'm not diminishing yours. I'm just saying that sometimes you're asking me for explanations of things I can't offer. And then you're mad at me for not being able to offer it. And at the same time, if we're both going to stand our ground, how do we move forward? I think the bigger problem here is that you don't pay attention. <laughs> okay. That's a mean assumption. No, it's not mean. It's true. It's not. I'm just, my amygdala is paying attention to different things. That's all. Yeah, but you have to pay attention to the important stuff. Loud noises and, like today, stop signs. <laughs> I didn't what see it. stop sign? I looked the wrong, I looked to the left. I didn't see the stop sign on the right. To the left? To the left? <laughs> yeah. It's a, little, it's a little scary. I didn't see it, okay? I, my faculties are not fully healed. The baby and I are recovering from strep. Oh, my goodness. I thought you were going to say, at least you didn't say you're recovering from the pregnancy. Oh, <laughs> he's three. You'd think I'd be recovered by now, but. You'd think. You'd think. I don't know. I Do mean, you still think you have mom brain? I don't think there's part of my, there's part of my brain I'll never get back. I have yeah. lost mental math forever. It's sort of like having, uh, it's like COVID. I think I'll never get my ten, my tense, my sense of taste yeah, and smell back Yeah, I haven't 100%. gotten my back yet. No, but there is a part of um, baby brain that you I've just. My brain does not function the same way it used to. It really doesn't. It, it gets overwhelmed more easily. It can has a lower capacity for input. Like, I'm tired more easily. Everything he gets sick with, I get sick with. It's oh. just... At mental math, seriously, I used to be able to do basic things like add and subtract and multiply in my mind. No. You don't think it's maybe because you just have a calculator in your pocket? I actually try on a regular basis. And like, uh, like I'll be in session and I've got my hands, you know otherwise occupied on the session and I can't just pull out my phone. I have to actually try and do certain things in my head and it's really hard. Yeah. So. All right. Um, did that answer the question though? Can autism be cured? I, I don't believe it. First of all, I don't believe it's a question that needs to be fully answered. No, I think it was just more of a, an interesting topic to touch on. I do think though, linking it back to spark and some of the genetic research, I do think they will be able to determine in time Every So let me say it like this. Everything we experience in life, trauma, um, whether that's like big trauma or whether it's like an accumulation of little trauma, um, although I don't think any trauma feels little, um, injuries, um, illnesses, um, chemical interactions, or just the um, constant barrage of chemicals from our everyday environment and our food and things, all of these impact our genes and whether a gene is turned on and off and over time those genes become inheritable and whatnot and so it's the study of epigenetics by dr bruce lipton and through the study of epigenetics what it says is that the genes that can be turned on and off based on these environmental situations can also be reversed based on you know whether you're doing it through a health approach or whatever but it takes generations to make a change in the in the genetics from certain standpoints and other genes can be turned on and off within your own lifetime. So I do think there's an element of the research that, that is going to be able to sort of narrow in on which genes are impacting autism the most, 
But I don't know that that's something that's necessarily going to be cured more than just identified. Like, I have the gene mutation for the 5-MTHFR, which means that I cannot assimilate uh, my folic acid. Oh, I thought you were going to say that you cannot stop talking. Well, I learned that from you. <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't, I don't continue to talk that much. Why are you stopping to look at me like that? Okay, go ahead. You're, I get the hint. That's rude. Go ahead. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm sorry. I'm just saying I have a gene mutation and I... And what does it mean again? The 5-MTHFR. Yeah, but what does it do? It means I cannot absorb any of the folic acid that I intake. But you have to be able to consume... Not consume. Absorb some because you can take supplements, right? Well, so I have to take a methylated version of the B vitamins. You're taking meth? Yeah. It's a methylated B version in order to assimilate it. Okay. Because my body can't do the methylation on its own, so it has to be pre-methylated. Because that gene, as far as I know, can't be healed. So I think it's going to come down to... I mean, I don't know. We'll have to see. It's a big, wide world of research. But um, I think that's where the science is heading, is to identify things. And then from there, we'll, we'll understand better what to do. But in the meantime, I don't think we should worry about curing autism. I think autism is beautiful. I think autistic individuals are some of the most heartfelt, grounded people that I know. And, and, and I really... We're like BBWs, big, beautiful women. <laughs> Don't need a cure for that. No. Just more to love. I just want, I, I think my prayer is that is that we create a society where you don't feel traumatized by everyday life and you feel more socially accepted. And I, I would say the same for the LGBTQ community, but. Um, it's tough to say. They, oh my gosh. They need to come up with something easier. Yes. But I do think. It's the whole alphabet. The biology of everyday life can be easier. Yeah. Should we talk about swimming or. Or no, let's talk about the article and then we'll talk about swimming. Right. Uh, here, you prompt me because I don't remember exactly. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about... My well, I, I downloaded this. I uh, Spark sent me this. It's an autism mystery. Why speech? Why is speech elusive for some on the spectrum? And I thought it was a great article. Um, it is written kind of neurotypically, though, just, you know, because it sets up things in the in a traditional, like, let's labor the beginning and then we'll make our point somewhere in the middle and we'll wrap it up in the end i think the most important thing that this article did point out is that when it comes to speech and this isn't this is important because our podcast is called you don't sound autistic this article did a good job of explaining all the different things that can contribute to speech challenges and it's not just about you know whether we have the capacity to form the words and and, and say them. Right, because so, it could be an auditory issue. It could be auditory it could be, processing. It could be mechanical issue with like your, 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 between your brain and your mouth right. not being able to make those connections. Because I think, they, they, I think in the article they said that there were entirely nonverbal people that understood language well enough to be able to communicate using... Uh, like iPads where they would, or yeah, the devices. little cards. Yeah. Yeah. Like it would say like, okay, let's play a game. And there's like some bubbles and they pop bubbles. And then the, like the young girl in the article was like uh, hitting a button that said, I play and then hit a button that said bubbles. Right. So like showing that she clearly understands yeah, the she, language, but she just can't 
vocalize it herself. And so there's gross motor and fine motor skills. That's part of what occupational therapy works on and speech therapy works on some of these things. Did you know that chewing gum was actually developed to help people develop the muscles they needed to speak? That's why it was invented? That's why it was invented. Oh, not because it's delicious and no. it keeps your breath minty fresh? No, that was a viper. That's how they got everybody else to start chewing gum. It was created because the chewing is... Um, important for developing the muscles in your mouth that you need in order to form words huh so speech could be you know a muscle a muscle um gross motor fine motor issue and then like you said there could be comprehension or should we have declan start chewing gum well my mom actually (laughs) bought gum for him and i tried it but it keeps sticking to my teeth so i haven't and it's i don't feel comfortable giving a three-year-old gum um, the worst he's going to do is swallow it. It's not going to hurt him. I know, and it's all natural and organic, and you know, you know how my mom buys everything. Yeah, so but I, just, I would say I just we, can't, done it yet. we can't just give him like regular sugar-free gum. I mean, again, what's he going to do with it? I, if I'm going to give him gum, I'll give him this stuff because there's chemicals in gum, and he's chemical sensitive. But it's just that I haven't felt comfortable doing it yet. It's not that there's a problem. I just think it'd be funny to see him walking around like <laughs> chewing yeah. gum. Well, and then I also think depression, I don't know if you've noticed in some of the parent groups uh, or uh, what your groups do, but there's a fair amount of children being um, children, children, like three to five years old children being diagnosed with depression and autism at the same time. Hmm. And so how chatty Kathy are you when you're feeling depressed? Me? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know a ton of heavy talkers when they're feeling really depressed. I mean, it's usually when you're, when your nervous system is going into shutdown mode, that freeze part of the, you know, fight or flight scale then. And that's the side depression is on is the freeze side. You're not really inclined to talk. You're feeling more, you know, it's, it's a much more internal feeling. It's a internal process. And, you know, even all the commercials just show everyone really sunken into the couch and curled up in a blanket with that solemn look on their face and they're not talking. And I right, th- and then they get to take a fun pill and then they show them like on the swings and running in a field. <laughs> right, but, but those two things go in line. So when your central nervous system is reacting and it's in a frozen or shutdown mode, we're, not, we're neurologically not talking because that would give away our position to the, to the predator or to the, you know, whatever the threat is. So I do think that there's a part of speech that also falls in line with the fact that there's, you know, very big feelings and um, difficulty processing them or understanding them or even reconciling those feelings. I mean, that's a fair reason. The few times I've experienced depression in my life, I've not experienced it um, on a long term basis. So I don't know what it feels like to live with. But I do know what depression has uh, can feel like in, you know, periods of a few weeks. And man, I was so overcome with big feelings, heavy feelings, this feeling of like, I have no options or helplessness or just total brokenheartedness. I didn't feel like talking to anyone. So you said earlier before we started recording that- When was this? It must not be in the time I've known you. No, no, no. It was much earlier. Because- Well, uh, no, that's not true. With my dad's death, I was very depressed. I didn't want to talk. You felt chatty? No, no, no. No, you'll remember I would sleep a lot. I didn't want to talk. You watched all. I stopped watching Walking Dead. You watched it all without me. I wasn't participating. I wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. 
Because before that, it was like The Talking Dead. <laughs> Thanks. No, it, that, that's a show. Oh. There's a show called Talking Dead. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah. Um, anything else about this article? Well, the, the point you made, your takeaway from it was really yeah. important. What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> what was my brilliant idea? You said that the article continued to reference... Oh, the fact that there's very little research right. uh, that's being done and that's been done um, in general about autism. So... I think, and this isn't even that old. This is from 2020. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think with with the, um, what was I saying? <laughs> research, the need for research. Right. Because there's so many aspects about autism and speech that need to oh, be because, researched. Because before, one of the things the article referenced was that there was a certain point where you were only diagnosed with autism if you couldn't speak Right, you were nonverbal. You were nonverbal, and you had all these different, all these different um, signs that you would be mm-hmm. autistic. And then now, it's to the point where it's broader, right? Because you can you can you can be you can present as quote unquote neurotypical to a degree. You could, mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is that you're trying to blend in. This is probably a, a perfect time to swoop into the swimming thing i think and i'll tell you why i think so go ahead because everyone looks at declan and is like he's totally normal he can't be autistic and then you see him today and i was just like that kid is so autistic <laughs> yeah it was it, even when we presented i mean because the facilitator of the school saw him two weeks ago when we signed him up yeah and you know we said he's autistic and you could kind of see him given that eyebrow like really you know he's interacting he's making eye contact he looks engaged all the he's talking you know checks all those bigger boxes right um and i put it when i when i finished the registration portion i put that in there i said please until please tell the instructor and this is really important for parents like we need to advocate and it's not you know, necessarily about labeling. It's about preparing and it's about setting expectations because I don't want to set that teacher up to be uninformed and have a potential meltdown with my child and our child and not have the tools that they need to really work through the situation. And sure enough, that's what happened today. So, you know, I said he is autistic. He is very high functioning. He is socially engaging. Um, he's sensory seeking. He is going to look for the teacher's approval. So eye contact when she's in, when she's interacting with him is going to be important. Although there may be, there are many other um, children who would need the opposite said, you know, like eye contact would be intimidating. So, you know, you need to know that whatever it is for your child, it's important to advocate for. In Declan's standpoint, he is looking for eye contact because he's looking for approval to build confidence in the situation. Um, and I also said, because of his auditory processing challenges, there's a lot of echo in the pool. So make sure that the teacher gives him a little bit of extra time when she's talking to him to talk slowly and, you know, get right close to him so she so he can hear her and he's not distracted by the echo. So she had all that on his little form when um, I took him over there to her. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it started out good. It started out well rather, um, as far as it was a class of four kids and they just sit on the edge of the pool and then the lady, the teacher, basically dunks them all in the water. and <laughs> She takes them, them one around. by one, yeah. Yeah, one by one. 
and then he was doing great the first 14 minutes of the class and then something must have happened and i don't know exactly which part like maybe that last dunk i think it was when he, he lost he, his confidence he was um it was when she was trying to teach him to lay on his back oh is that what it was it was disorienting yeah and he couldn't do it and keep his legs straight so the only way he was able to lean all the way back into the water is when he let his legs kind of do a full 90 degree L pike over to the left. Then he could lay down. So yeah. it's just he didn't know how to flex his back and he was scared. So from then on, he, he, he sat there and cried like to himself. Right. The whole rest of the class, which was heartbreaking at, to watch. Yeah, because they, they have it set up to where you can look in like you're looking in a, in a um, I don't know. Like Hannibal Lecter cell, it's like a big clear glass window, right? And we kept trying to wave to try and give him recognition, so he knew that we were there. But he was just so dazed, and he wasn't paying he wasn't paying attention to what the other students were doing when they were in the water. He was mm-hmm. just looking kind of off and down and looking around, and it didn't. I felt bad because I'm like, uh, I really want him to enjoy this, right? But but it's also his first time there, right? So he didn't but have any... he was any... so excited to start, and then all of a sudden, like, he just was not having it. Well, but, so when we said we're going to go swimming, the frame of reference he thinks of when we say let's go swimming is us in the pool here at the apartment complex. Right. It's non-structured. It's not an enclosed space. There's not other kids. There's not a teacher. None of the parameters were the same. Right. So for him, it's a lot to take in all at once. And you could tell when he got overwhelmed because he stopped watching the teacher and started like just watching other things. Plus, he had the goggles on. Yeah. And he and, you know, he was wearing them for half an hour or so up before class started so he could get used to looking through them. But at the same time, that was a lot of new things to kind of adapt to very quickly. So um, I've been researching the power of three. And one of the things that continues to come up as a theme is how it takes three elements in order to learn a concept or it takes three experiences in order to um, you know really get comfortable with with a new idea or a new task and so I've always said that when it comes to learning Declan needs to see it hear it and experience it before he can really kind of engage or grasp whatever the new event is so he was able to see it he was able to hear it and he was able to experience I think I think he'll do better next time okay I hope so it was just it was just sad to sit there and watch and he would just silently kind of cry to himself but you could see his chest rise and fall you could see his face and well, you his know his face was the biggest indicator to me cuz he has an ugly cry face just like uh, his mom <laughs> Thanks No he just he, he has my cry face He's There's adorable no- and then all of a sudden you're like oh man look at that kid <laughs> He's miserable Yes we have a very uh, distinct cry face but um, but the teacher did great. She walked up. She gave him the chance to say no, actually, a few times, which I was really impressed by because he wasn't comfortable and she didn't push him. But she also didn't ignore him. You know, she came back to him and really um, climbed up and got on his level and helped him to feel safe. And then he did say yes. So I grudgingly, but he did, but he did. And he, he ventured in and, and it worked, you know, he got to experience the water a few more times. So I was really grateful that, um, that the teacher did a good job and that he was brave. And I mean, he felt really accomplished afterwards, you know, and that's part of learning anyways, 
putting yourself in a um, in a place where you're outside of your comfort zone. But I think more so than anything else, we also need to make sure there's a sense of safety. And that's what I think the teacher did a really good job of. So he didn't sink. He swam. In fact, he, um, he was kind of, how do you say it? Like when he first jumped in the water, he was pretty gung-ho for it. Like he, he jumped right in and even got his head emerged faster than the teacher was ready for. Yeah, I think that's because he can't swim. I don't know if that was planned. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't know if that was planned. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to see what happens next week. Yeah, me too. I think it'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you have swimming lessons when you were a kid? Uh, not really. My, my my mom's friend, Kathy, was a swimmer. and Maybe she was a swim instructor. So she kind of showed me how to swim a little bit. Did your parents take you or my, your mom my, take you? We or? Would, well, we had a pool. Okay. Um, at my house, and then my dad lived with his parents for the most part, and they were in a um, what is that called? A mobile home park. Okay. That had a big pool. Okay. And so you were we were allowed to. There was like a certain amount of time, certain period of time where you were allowed to go swimming. Oh, gotcha. Because otherwise, the old people were like, "Hey, I don't want anyone here having fun." Yeah. So. I bet. Yeah. But there's some sensory clashes there between the ages. Yeah. That's okay. So did you like get experience with jumping off the diving board? Yep. Sure. Absolutely. Um yeah, Kathy's taught me how to swan dive. <laughs> okay. Why is that funny? Well, because the way you said it, I just got this visual. I was like a pro, man. Yeah? Did you like the feeling of like crashing into the water? Did you Oh, I love I love swimming to this day. I like swimming. Yeah, you've always been really soothed by the water. Yeah, especially hot tubs. I, I especially like. But you can't really tub. dive into a hot tub. Well, you can when you're a little kid, though. You can do like a little cannonball. Oh well, that's true. You're. I mean, you can do it as an adult, but it's frowned upon. <laughs> yeah, by ambulances. What you just you just you don't have to jump so hard that you're gonna crash to the bottom. Well, you can't dive. I'm talking about diving. Like no, head I know. First. Well, obviously, you're not gonna jump in head first. Okay. I'm saying I said cannonball. Okay, that's you know, fair. To annoy all the other, yeah. Right. right. Ass and legs first. <laughs> that's right. Okay. I'm trying to figure out how to do this. Um, are we done talking ahead, about this yeah. article? All right. So, pop minute time. I was I was thinking I, I need to come up with like a pop minute. Little thing. <laughs> yeah, like a little uh, musical interlude sure. that, that comes in. Okay. Um, and I don't know if I can. Doing it in, in exactly one minute is a little hard and yeah, kind of makes it pointless. Yeah, you should give two minutes. Maybe two minutes. Um, but uh, what? let's see. I started watching uh, that show. Oh, that's funny. Ozark. I started watching Ozark um, like two days ago. Okay. I've been binge watching. I'm on like episode six of season one. Oh, wow. It's actually a really good show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was saying like on Facebook, I was calling it Breaking Bateman. Oh, interesting. Because it's it's got a break a Breaking Bad vibe to it to a degree. Oh, I didn't know that. Because well, in Breaking Bad, you have Walter White, yeah. and he's a what like a chemistry teacher finds out he has cancer, right? And he decides to be, be the best cr- chemistry, the, the best crystal meth maker, right? This side of the Mississippi, and um, then you know all hell breaks loose. And this show, Jason Bateman's character is a money launderer for a drug cartel. Oh, wow. 
So he didn't like get sick or anything like that. But it just the reason I I just was saying Breaking Bateman just because it's you know Jason Bateman's in it and it's got that Breaking Bad vibe to it. But definitely worth checking out. Um, there are uh, a bunch of um, shoot. I wanted to talk about the Oscar buzz. Where is it? I may be already past my minute. Um, oh, that's right. Because people were talking about who's going to be nominated for, for Oscars and the movies that are probably going to be nominated. Are there any movies that portray autism this year? Or uh, any kind of neurodiversity that we can kind of get behind? I heard that, you know, the book, The Reason I Jump? It has a um, it was written by an autistic child that that's being turned into a movie or or was last year. Oh, I don't see that there was a movie specifically that had autistic characters in it. Not this for year? this year. Nope. Mm, that's sad. Um. Anyway, that's that's pop pop minute. Very cool. <laughs> I I need to plan a little bit better so that I can actually talk about things because I wanted to talk about what pictures. Uh, what movies well so this is a really big deal i mean i I know it's not just a pop minute like this is your this is your special interest like you it is my special interest and it should be everyone's special interest okay so that we have something to talk about (laughs) for me it was always football like i loved the super bowl that was my big we're talking about me right now this isn't football minute stop it's pop minute okay no go ahead my point is that the super bowl for me 30 seconds is the oscars for you right that's how big this is for you. That's like, true. That's the biggest night of the year for you. And and you kind of always watch the, you watch the lead up. It's not just the Oscars. You'd watch the, what's the award show before it that leads to Hollywood. The Golden Globes? That's the one. Those are two different things. I know, but they're. That's they're the both, Hollywood Foreign Press. But there's, there are two award shows and one yeah. leads up to the other. Like they're, they're voted on independently, but you would watch them both because a lot of times there were trends. Well, and it's just interesting to me because you get to see. The end. It's the industry nominating itself okay. for awards, right? right? Because if you look at, it's not critics. It's actors voting for actors and directors voting for directors, and they pick who they think are the best people. So I In think which that's one? interesting. Um, I think that's the Oscars. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I think you can vote. I don't know exactly how. how it, I don't remember exactly how it works because other people vote for things as well. But that's the point, right? Like in like the producers. Guild, maybe that's what it is. Producers Guild Awards, it's producers voting for like their favorite movies, and mm-hmm. then there's like the act, the SAG Awards, which mm-hmm. is actors voting for their favorite actors, and then the Oscars. I think it's everybody voting for their favorite things. I don't know if you can vote in every category. I don't remember. Hmm. I'm not. I've never <laughs> been a member. And then Hollywood Foreign Press does the votes for the Golden Globes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. so that's why this is part of the show because it's a big deal to you like this movies is one of those things and, and I think it's worth talking about that when you, when we're looking for examples of you know behavior even speech and language to model and mirror um, you look to movies a lot you you watched a lot of TV shows you know and I've I've watched over the years as kind of you would identify with a certain character and then something that you, somebody that you respected, I would watch you integrate some of those um, characteristics of their, of their character, like into your personality as a way. And to be honest with you, we, we all do that to some degree. It's just 
that it's a little bit more nuanced for a neurotypical because they just do it automatically without even thinking. But I think, um, at least for autism, we know that the learning experience is very different and you're constantly looking for examples of behavior that, that you identify with because you don't always feel comfortable being yourself. Yeah. No, that's fair. When I was, you know, growing up, I would always try to imitate Jim Carrey. Right. And then I would, and then I was bullied because of it. So then I stopped. You were? I told you about this. I thought I talked about it on the show. For J- I didn't. Maybe you did, Jim. I didn't realize it. W- I knew you were bullied. I didn't realize it was connected to. Yeah, because I was. Um, I would. I would talk to myself like I would walk home to, from school, and uh, I was walking home one day, and I was acting out a scene from Ace Ventura, where he's at the. Um, like it's, it's like basically it's like an insane asylum. Okay. And he's got like his tutu. He's wearing like a like a tutu or something. I'm, like that. I remember the scene and visually. He's yeah. acting out like the football stuff, and he's like, "Blue thirty one, blue thirty one, hut hut." And he's like running around, and uh-huh. he's like running in the background. And he's like, "I'm open, I'm open over here," and uh, he's just being goofy because he's trying to look crazy to blend in with all the other crazy people. Right. And so I would, I was running and I would be acting out that scene. From Just kind of living in your own world. Yeah. Yeah. And then these kids all like were on the bus coming down the street and they were all pointing at me. And so then like I would be at school and they'd be like, I'm open, I'm open, dude. So they're teasing you. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, that's not cool. Yeah. I, I hope mean, that bus exploded. Okay. <laughs> A lot of times, you know, what we lack are the social skills to connect with people on things that we don't fully understand. I, and I think that's fair across multiple um, expressions of, of just being human. Like we don't always have the best ways to acknowledge someone for what they're doing and other than teasing. I mean, it's just so remedial almost to make fun of someone instead of being like, wow, well, that's I mean, you cool. Know, kids are horrible people. Wow. So. So what else uh, you got? Um, well, I was going to do the news minute. News minute! But I... Uh, I need to read the news and actually like talk about <laughs> it. Like I'm trying to think of what happened this week. Um, and oh, we lost two more celebrities. We did. Yeah, we lost. Uh, don't don't tell me. Let me remember. Let's see. We lost. Like Louis it. Louis Anderson. We lost Louis Anderson. Yeah, it's six, I didn't know it, that. It's Sixty-eight, and then at age seventy-four, we lost. Meatloaf. Meatloaf. Yes. Yep. God rest his delicious soul. Man. Yeah. I would do anything for love. Yeah, it's That's a good love. song. Yep, it's a good song. Um, And he was in Fight Club. He was. It's one of my favorite movies. Yep. He played he played Robert Paulson, which if you've seen that movie, everybody knows that. Oh, well, I've seen the movie and I would not know that. Yeah, because he dies in the movie. Oh. Uh, and... um. Edward Norton's character is like, no, he he was a man and he had a name and his name was Robert Paulson. Oh, I, I mean, I remember the dialogue. Well, yeah. well, that's really sad. Yeah. Um, so, and then otherwise, I don't know. It's all it's all bad news, Rochelle. I know. I don't watch the news honestly because there's honestly we talked about this at the beginning of the year. There's going to be so much change and transition in the outer world right now. Like we've been watching a lot of our systems um, wobble 
for a long time and social structures specifically uh we watched a lot of things really bubble to the surface that need to be addressed that haven't been addressed for far long enough and i'm i'm hoping that this is a real critical turning point in our society where we finally like stand up and say enough is enough like people need to be accepted for who they are they need to feel secure in medical care and financial support systems we need to feel you know, safe in our education system. I, I still go back and forth every day about whether or not I'm going to homeschool him when he turns five because we haven't addressed, you know, school safety in a lot of areas. And so How are we going to afford to do that? I don't, I don't know yet. I mean, a law of attract a way to do that. But, but there's a lot of things going on in the outside world that, that can appear really scary because it doesn't feel stable. And anytime it doesn't feel stable, it's once again triggering to that very same conversation we had earlier today about what's that sound you know like we could be having that same reaction watching the news going oh my god what is that what is that I mean it's just there's so many things that are going to compile and crumble at the same time that it could be it could be a traumatic year if you're looking for stability in the outside world as a point of reference however have you ever played Jenga Jenga yeah you know you talking about the the game with the wood? Yeah, yeah. The little three pieces. Uh huh. You know the best part about like when it crumbles. Uh, the other person lost. Well, and then you get to rebuild it. No, I don't. I don't like that. That part's boring. You don't like the crumbling part? Okay. Well, maybe you didn't. We had a lot of Jenga parties. I like my the house. winning part. Okay. Well, games. Your my analogy's blown, but <laughs> my point is that Sorry. when <laughs> when things crumble, it was too conceptual. I, I I understand that, but um. When things crumble, we can we can get attached to the fact that they're crumbling and we can feel the pain of things crumbling, which is one half of the process and not the process I'm suggesting we get attached to. I, I would recommend if you're starting to feel, you know, that insecurity because you're seeing a lot of things change, let's let's look beyond the change and look at the rebuilding process because it's the rebuilding process that we can really participate in and take a stand and say, hey, we're different people now and we have different things we respect and we have different values and we're going to build those values and this more inclusive you know stronger more heartfelt society that we want to be a part of we get we get a chance to participate in that okay so there was one more part of the news minute tell me that i didn't get a chance to cover well let's cover it and that's um super bowl lvi is coming up yes you know this i'm excited about this is the, my favorite day of the year um sunday oh shit how are we gonna do that? We're gonna is when when's the game? Are we gonna be able to do our show? I don't know what what. This is gonna be the first Super Bowl. Uh, what what time is the? We'll figure it out, guys. We'll figure right. it out. We're not gonna miss. Shell's gonna cancel it. No, no, we're gonna do it all. Um, but no, the thing that, that I'm most excited about is the halftime show. I'm excited for this halftime show. I'm actually excited for the Super Bowl. There's there's a possibility my team is in it. Oh really? Just. Just so you know, last year my team was in the Super Bowl. We actually won the Super Bowl, and I was in complete denial. Isn't it funny though that you hated? Uh, what's your What's your quarterback's name? Oh gosh, don't hold it. Yes, I did. Tom Brady. I I guilty. She was like, Tom Brady is a piece of crap, and now he's on your team, and you're like, by crap, I mean he's the best. Okay, but it's taken me a whole season and a half to really be able to change my thinking about it because I was so traumatized by the fact that we always that he just won. They won everything for so long. And it was hard to peel apart 
Tom Brady as a quarterback from the Patriots and the fact that they just dominated everyone for years, that it just felt hopeless. So back to the best part of the show. The <laughs> show. So it's going to be a 90s throwback. So it's going to be Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, uh, Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. I believe that's the lineup. It's pretty sweet. That's going to be cool. I thought yeah. the Pepsi trailer video was awesome. Yeah, and there's a trailer for it. Um, if you wanted to look it up, it's called, is it called The Call? Yes, it's called I The Call. I want to say it's called The Call. It was really well done. Um, so I'm excited for this Super Bowl. Yeah. February 13th, right? February so 13th. Coming up soon. So we have a uh, couple of, couple weeks. And then the Oscars will be coming up. That's right. Probably like the ones, the Oscars are going to come, come up pretty soon too. Um, I wonder if they're what they're going to do because my understanding is like the Golden Globes this year were all done. Why? 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 why, can't, why well, can't so I this is one of those things. Two? Like, there's not always um, in this in our society right now, or in just in family home right now. There's not always a lot of easy ways to connect. You know, that connect back into something that's community based. And so one of the things I really like that you and I have done that would be. It's sometimes depending on the age of your kids possible you know and appropriate but we used to try and watch as many of the films at least in the top categories True. as possible before the oscars so that yeah. we had you know some we had a we had a we had a horse in the race like we had our favorites we were rooting for or we could discuss at least you know the points back and forth and so it's if movies are your special interest or anyone in your family's special interest you know this would be one of those times where i would we recommend that you embrace spending time in your loved ones you know world because this is this is a very easy way to enjoy a sunday night or a whole sunday afternoon actually and bond over these movies and the experiences of watching these movies um, and just get lost in in your loved one's special interest. It, it's actually quite fun. It's pretty. It's a pretty sweet special interest. It's not like bug collecting. Uh, well, I, you know, don't hate on the bug collectors because just because they got their hundred bugs, you know, they they become very very. I'm just hating on the one particular guy. <laughs> they become very important parts. It's a throwback of to our environmental previous episode conservation efforts. So it's it is. How a little is bit killing bugs? What if I was like a? I'm a vegan. I can't kill insects. Okay. Well, but the, my point is my just that views. this is a really easy way to, and not only not just get lost in your loved one's special interest, but to acknowledge them. I mean, like every one of us as people want the opportunity to converse about the topics we love and the things we spend the most time thinking uh, about. So, you know, it creates authentic social interactions and sometimes it can be very important as families to come together and have moments like this because there are so many conflicting schedules and things to do putting the world aside and saying let's just watch movies you know three times a week in prep for the oscars it's actually a really cool way to spend you know january february i agree and the oscars for the, just for those that are interested it's going to be march 27th this year which oh march 27th yeah so we've I, got a whole extra month got a whole we got like two months and i would say this also for the individuals who love someone with adhd just understand they're going to talk over the movie and that's okay 
I do not talk over movies. <laughs> you do. We actually have to buy, when we were able to go to the movie theater, we had to buy tickets away from everyone else because we would annoy everyone in a perimeter. Because you and I, and I, you know, honestly, we, I would talk back with you. Like, we would talk about the story as we were watching it. Because that's part of how we experience a movie. What's he doing? Why is he doing that? <laughs> <laughs> what did My favorite one was like, what did he just say? Like, I need caption on the big screen. But They have those. I need to get one. They have open captions for uh, for the deaf community. I know, and I need that help. I, I don't always, I can't, there are certain tones I just can't, I don't understand. It's and like, you can ah, You I can get the captions well, I need that. From, the, uh, from the front office. Well, we need that for me Most if we ever get to go back to the movie theaters, but yeah. Um, um, but this is one thing we've done in, in our family and it's been, it's been very successful. It actually, you know, having movies in common because it's your sp- special interest. It's something that there's such a wide range of things you were interested in. It was easy for us to find things we had in common. And, and, um, just recently you recommended some movies to me. I did. That I was like, um, this guy's crazy, but I, you actually, you know, sent me some good recommendations. I enjoyed it. Yeah. What did I send? You sent Tick, Tick, Boom. I did. And at first I was like, huh? And then you said Andrew Garfield was in it. And I, I was like, wasn't he a Spider-Man? He was a Spider-Man. So this guy can sing? Apparently. And I watched the movie and I absolutely loved it. Hey, Wolverine it. Is, uh, was played by Hugh Jackman and he's like he a He can definitely sing. Yeah, he can sing. So. No, I, I didn't know anything about the story. I've, I've never seen, um, I'd never seen Rent, so. I've never watched Rent either, but it's about the guy that wrote Rent. And right. it's actually better than like i just haven't been able to get through rent it's kind of just it's kind of a downer i didn't understand why it was so popular i didn't understand the story behind it speaking of the lgbtq community actually it was a really big moment for them in broadway theater and 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 it was one of those um productions that really screamed for inclusivity and it screamed for the need to find our hearts again so we're we're once again back to the same theme about inclusivity and social acceptance and you know being able to live in our hearts and 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 connecting to the things that we love as a rule of thumb for you know a healthy society versus inclusion judgment and you know trauma yeah we definitely talked for longer than a minute about pop culture (laughs) no because it's important to tie these things back to our point which is you don't sound autistic so you know, how this relates to a neurodiverse community is also important because like everything, our understandings of neurodiversity is evolving, but more importantly, we're the ones that are going to evolve it. It's our families. It's us as parents. It's, you know, you as an autistic individual, it's all of us together that change the structures and the rules that unfortunately have led to that feeling of isolation and oppression that you have definitely lived with for decades in your life just because you didn't know why you were feeling things the way you were and why people didn't accept you for being who you were right so those those are big topics those are big things and those are stories that we often see portrayed in in our media and our films it's true I should write a movie about being autistic. I would love for you to write a film. I mean, I've been asking you for a long time to write because I don't feel like there's enough original content and I don't feel like there's enough perspective out there. I I say it often, but I appreciate that you 
uh, have agreed to do this podcast with me in the first place because I'll call the movie a touch of the tism. <laughs> I know that it requires a state of being vulnerable to talk about your life. It also, I, I don't think it's, I don't think we talk enough about the element of unpredictability in um, any interaction when you're working or when you're, when you're living with autism or anxiety or depression or ADHD or ADD for that matter, but working and being yourself in an unpredictable environment. I mean, that's highly triggering for you. How are you managing to kind of, deal with it on a regular basis what's the question again how do you deal with the unpredictability of life of life not well that's why i'm anxious well listening back to our episodes you seem like you're doing really well on the podcast now if everyone could see what i see i I know there's moments where i've lost you i've talked too long and gone off on a tangent myself i'm sorry what was that (laughs) just kidding but you have created some clever mostly kind ways to express that to me and that's a skill that I'm going to give you credit for because not everyone has developed that and can be kind of harsh about the social like when the when the conversations drift apart you know some people can be just like uh, and it it can further complicate you know someone's attempt to be social but you do a really good job of bringing humor back in um and do you think try has it always been this i mean it doesn't look easy for you but what has that experience of dealing with unpredictability of everyday life been over the years for you i try to blend in i don't know i never really thought i was trying to blend in i thought i was just being normal well, and to some degree you are because neurotypical or neurodiverse deal with the same, like just because you're all neurotypical does not mean everyone gets along and there's not social judgment. No, I know, judgment but it's also, just like there's times when you're talking or anyone's talking and they're talking and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I should be paying attention, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we watched Declan do that today. Yeah. He would zone off when he was feeling overwhelmed or just easily distracted or just trying to soak in the environment. There's a lot to process. But then he wants your attention. Oh, my gosh. And he's ready for it. Very demanding. He's very demanding. Mom! Very demanding on my on my attention. Not demanding of me unless it's just the two of us. And then it's dad, 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 dad. Otherwise, it's like, who? Screw that guy. Yeah, I know. It's a, I don't know. Who? Where's the, where's the, where's the parent with the boobs? <laughs> I think it's the safe parent, adventure parent concept. Yeah. Um, More so than anything, but. Yeah, I know. It's he deals with unpredictability by shutting down. And I think that's a common reaction. It's just to kind of recoil and, and go back into yourself and instead of making yourself feel really big and that's the ego. We've seen that happen a lot. We've seen people who when they feel uncomfortable, they become very e- egotistic and, you know, can be really harsh in their their words and they can act like an a- like an ass. But um that's not typically what I see uh, with the autistic community. I feel like more is more of a shutdown more of a inner collapse. Yeah. You just made me realize we haven't sworn enough on this episode to get the I know I the, the explicit <laughs> stop myself. We're supposed to be a, an explicit episode. Shit. How about that? There that, you go. Is that good? Feel better? I feel a little bit better now. Okay. Okay. Um I think we're about out of time for today. Cool. Sweet. We we did it. We made it through another episode. And uh I think we'll be back. 
Sure, right? Yeah. Okay. So we'll see you next time, everyone. I'm Blake. I'm Rochelle. And we'll be back. Cue the music. <laughs>